0: Marketing Conversations. Grace, welcome. How are you, Leo? Grace, I'm super excited. It's 2023. And even though we're recording this episode literally the last day of 2022, I mean, it already feels like the new year started, right? I mean, we've been preparing so much to wrap up 2022 that it's kind of like we've already been working for 2023 for the past three weeks. Don't you feel that way a little bit? It sure does. It's rush, rush,
1: rush to the end of the year. And then you're prepping for the next year when... So it does feel like you're working already at least a month into the new year.
0: Yeah, I 100%, 100%. And, you know, Grace, kind of like now looking back at 2022, what an amazing year it was from the standpoint as it felt amazing up to a certain extent to see that pandemic become endemic and be able to really for the most of it, run business as normal, right? And as normal now means very differently than it meant three or four years ago, which I also want to point out that right around the time when we are releasing this episode, this podcast is turning four years old, which is just mind blowing to think that we've been doing this for so long, I know. I know first episode came out on January of 2019, and here we are January 2024. So it is very, very, very amazing that we've gone through this journey. But yeah, so back to my point I was making here is that, um, you know, it's kind of like the new normal settled. We're now in a place where things have felt a little bit more normal than they did in 2020, obviously, and then then, then 2021. But now we're facing with new challenges, right? And I think the biggest one that it's in everybody's mind is this unstable economy.
1: Yes, very much so. The economy is on everybody's mind. Right,
0: right. What I think could be the best way to kick in 2023 is to really think now that we are starting 2023, Talk about the most expected trends in digital marketing, at least according to Forbes, and we're going to make our commentary on how applicable, relevant, or essential they will be for the legal marketing landscape. How do you feel about that?
1: Yeah, definitely. Forbes has been around for a long time, right? They seem to have their finger on the pulse of trends, in particular, when it comes to business in general. So let's apply it.
0: Yeah. And I'll tell you what, sometimes they do have remarkable and very, very valid points to make. Sometimes their points really don't really hit the mark for at least the legal marketing industry. So let's see what they're coming up this year with Grace. Yeah. Let's see whether we're impressed. Sounds like a plan? Sounds like a plan. All right, Grace. So digital marketing trends to watch in 2023 during an unpredictable economy. And I like that they already tealed the type of strategies to be relevant in a time with a predictable economy. So first one that we have here, Grace, customer success could gain greater traction. Customer, customer success. success, Grace. <laughs> is it in your mind heading into 2023? Is that something that you in your organization is getting attention?
1: Very much so. So, um, you know, you know that as a firm, the Lake Law Firm, we do our what we call our fireproof planning every, you know, I'd say every quarter or so, um, sometimes every six months. It just depends on what's going on in the firm. And we recently had our um, end of year, uh, I guess you would say, annual view into what's going on. So customer success is probably at top of mind, and particularly the way Forbes is discussing it in this article. um, Because when it comes to customer success, if you don't have any clients, you don't have business, right? I mean, it's simple as that. So making sure that your customers are happy and the other things that we'll get into when we talk about this particular section of the Forbes article, it's so important. It's It needs to be the pulse of your firm, of your legal practice, of whatever it is you do in your business. Customers need to be clients first, right? Clients first.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent, Grace. So um, looking at it from a law firm standpoint, Right referrals returning clients continue could, could to be not just a big percentage of the caseload of a law firm that could be anywhere between 30 to 40% some 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 cases even greater than that and we're talking about a marketing law firm a law firm that is actually actively running campaigns to generate more leads and have multiple channels from there where they're generating clients so 30 40% is tremendous right but it's not just that i think one thing that a lot of law firms realized is that Once you've signed the case, nothing is yet in the bank, right? You need to retain that client. You need to make sure that they're happy throughout their journey, but not just so that you can come to the end of the case, but also so that they have such a positive experience that they want to refer friends, family members, leave you a great review. And if they ever need your help again, come back. Now, Grace, one thing, you know, looking back at the fall, at all of the conferences that we went, at all of the keynotes that we've heard, one of the strategies that keeps on coming back and back and being brought up all the time is how law firms are keeping their community of clients engaged even past the time that they've been serviced by the law firm. And you have all of these client appreciation parties. You know, how many law firms are not showing these galas and these barbecues and different events throughout the year in order to reconnect with the clients that used to be serviced by the law firm, right? Just to keep them close by and to never miss an opportunity to thank them. Strategies as simple as celebrating birthdays, uh, holidays. All of those things are becoming such an important part of the client journey, even after their cases have been settled or, re- or reach an end. And so I think we're going to start seeing more of that and it's going to be more normalized and we're just going to see a lot of law firms leveraging this type of marketing because it's obviously the lowest hanging fruit of them all. This is about... Or just nurturing relationships of people who already like and trust you and it's the best thing that you can do so I do love this a lot obviously in the article here which we have, will have in our episode notes they talk about the different approaches to that, especially uh, consumer standpoint right businesses to consumer standpoint and such but it's also being looked at uh, from a B2B standpoint and you know just kind of like to bring in the commentary as a business owner that deals with businesses, the most important thing always, and and, and the challenge that never stops being a challenge, right, is uh, how can you deliver more and more and more value to your existing customers, right? Because what you were doing the year before is not going to suffice to really keep adding to the value into the quality of the product that you deliver if you just keep on doing the same things. So we always need to keep on thinking, what else can we add on? And we as an agency did a lot of things last year that we're very proud of and that we know that have delivered tremendous value to our clients. And uh, what's already on our minds here is what are we planning to do this year in order to continue adding to that value and to continue building up this community where we are not just solving some technical needs, to our partners, but we're actually more of a partner in their growth strategy, right? For their law firms and their businesses. So super exciting. I think this is great. And I think that's what it's all about, right? During times when you're... An unstable economy, you want to make sure that everything that you're doing is actually servicing a purpose and you don't feel that you're kind of like lost and just, as you very frequently say, Grace, uh, spraying and praying, right? Uh, And I think, you know, having trusted partners and having people that you know and work and have delivered results for you is a great way of being able to enter these times, especially if you are one of those that it's going to be looking at gaining more market share, because that's another thing, and we're going to talk about it in just one moment, that we've known has worked very well for a lot of brands during economic downturns, okay? So that's our first point here, Grace. Now, I mean, the next one is... It's almost laughable. <laughs> it really is. But, but but it's you know, let's talk about it. I want to I want to I want to hear what you have to say. Voice enabled search marketing could increase.
1: <laughs> could increase? Uh well, you know, I
0: I I like how we I like how we've went from just making statements that voice search will lead the path from 2020 onwards to maybe there'll be some growth in that area because we've heard so many promises on this one grace and at this point i don't know
1: you know it's a difficult thing right i think it, it kind of goes back down to even what you were talking about sonic branding right i mean that's one of your best in my opinion i love that presentation and the information that you give on on that type of idea right because voice and audiobooks and things being you know spoken to you and anything having to do with voice is very particular and it has to do with changing the way people do things. So I think, you know, voice enabled search marketing is, it can and can be used properly. It can be a good and a great thing as part of a brand marketing scheme, but not necessarily standalone, right? So when it comes to voice enabled search, I think some people are using it fairly effectively. It has a long way to go. You know, I think it's still in its infancy in terms of how people can utilize it, but it can be utilized and it's it is funny that they it could increase, you know. Oh, it's going to increase. It's going to be here and you know, Google saying, "Oh, we're we're going to be at the top of the market with the voice ads and you know, I mean, we'll see it when it comes, right? I I don't see anybody using it yeah. properly just yet. At least not by itself,
0: I love how you break it down because I think voice there, like voice using voice as a way of interacting with technology, has actually been very, very helpful and certainly has made its mark in consumer behavior, right? Things like Alexa, as you were as you were mentioning, other audio first sort of platforms such as podcasts and such, right, are now, Definitely among the preferred ways of consuming content from among uh, consumers. However, here we're very specifically talking about search marketing, and so while it is very convenient sometimes to talk to Alexa and ask the and ask Alexa to order or order more dishwasher for you from your Amazon account, where Alexa already knows what you've ordered on uh, historically and just goes and repeats on the order, it's a very Uh, effective and easy way of getting something without necessarily having to uh, spend time into completing. It's something also very, very, very transactional. Now, when it comes down to search marketing, people trying, for instance, to find a lawyer, do I feel that people are going to go to Alexa and ask Alexa for that type of information? I do not, I do not see that yet coming. But here's where I do see this potentially starting to show more, more usage. And that's people just going to Google and rather than typing their search query, dictating the search query to Google. So instead of saying, instead of typing personal injury lawyer near me, people may feel more comfortable because they don't have a type, they don't have to type. And so, you know, I I think we are kind of leaning towards not not wanting to type like we're more kind of like as as as. The least amount of interactions and clicks and typings that we need to put our, our effort in, I think we're the happiest, clicks. right? And so I do see people potentially... It's the go clicks.
1: Ahead. It's exactly what yeah. you said. Remember yeah. how many times with exactly. the user experience we try to reduce clicks? It's everything we talk about is reducing mm-hmm. the clicks. Mm-hmm. My mm-hmm. husband uses the uh, voice search on my laptop, you know, with the microphone every time he does not want to type. And I totally understand that. So I'm completely yeah. in agreement with yeah. you. It's... Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I do see people rather starting to replace, for instance, personal injury lawyer near me, right? For something a little bit more long tail, that is uh, best auto accident lawyer for car wrecks with truck, right? Very unlikely ever to get typed because of how long and because it's not much of the way that people are used to typing queries on Google, we kind of like, historically, even though there is a trend of becoming more conversational in the way that we write, but historically we've been more kind of like telegram, like just putting in the keywords. Whereas here here, it's more like, because you're just talking, you feel more uh, at ease with just giving a long tail search query. And so I do see there some potential shift in the way that some users some segments of users i don't think this is going to be across the board i can see this probably being more something that the younger generations are more capable of adapting more easily and i do see this then impacting the way that we need to optimize our websites and the content that we write to be relevant to answer this type of search queries but not just that particularly when we're looking at search campaigns uh, Paid search campaigns, I think it's going to be very, very important, particularly now with the inevitable settling of automated campaigns, you're going to have to kind of allow for the keywords that you're selecting to be able to be modified to adapt and be relevant to this type of search queries. And so I think, you know, there's definitely a lot of opportunity there, and I think it ties very well with the type of uh, search campaigns that Google is projecting for the advertisers to run in the I'm not going to say in the near future already at present right because uh it's certainly all about automation when it comes down to the search campaigns management so that's my comment on that grace I'm going to move on to another one and this is about uh more brands could leverage micro influencers for brand promotion what do you think about this one Mm -hmm.
1: So you know we we are very much into influencers in general. I mean, you know we do our celebrity craziness yeah. every year at yeah. a National
0: so, trial. Not so not so much micro influencers <laughs> in no, your case, no, they're but, macro. but certainly <inaudible> influencer yeah. marketing. Yeah. Um,
1: so you know when it comes to micro influencers, I tend to leverage that for social media, you know, cuz uh, you know, I'd say TikTok mm-hmm. or YouTube um you know, I'd say famous people quote unquote or more they're a little more micro-influencers. They're not as big as, obviously, like, you know, uh, Danica Patrick and, uh, you know, John McEnroe that we had two years in a row. So I can agree with this. Um, I think that people are trying to be heard in a sea of digital marketing that is getting a little um, yeah. overwhelming, right? And so yeah. I can yeah. understand that they want somebody that they know, like, and trust. And a micro influencer's is yeah. yeah. best way to do it without having to spend millions.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um great. I, I 100% think micro-influencers is a terrific investment for spokesperson marketing. I think it's it's excellent. And why why is the hype on micro-influencers? Well, because they tend to be, to to have a smaller following but a much more engaged community of followers. So rather than trying to reach millions through a bigger celebrity, here you are reaching anywhere between maybe 50 to 100,000 people at once through this micro-influencer. But the thing is that the impact and the influence that these individuals have over their community is far greater than what some of the other bigger celebrities could actually have. Now for law firms, why is this so relevant? Well, because you, you, you're you most likely also uh, more confined into a market, right? You're probably want to work with someone that is extremely relevant to a particular age group within your demographic area. And so this gives you the opportunity of honing in into that without necessarily having to go and make a partnership with someone like a Mike Tyson. I don't know why am I coming up with Mike Tyson, but like a Mike Tyson that potentially is going to have followers all over the world. And while it may be very cool that you're reaching people in India, it doesn't necessarily mean much to your business. And so for that reason, it's very important that that partnerships like micro-influencers are actually considered. Because... The targeting can be very, very, very relevant. And then also the impact of the campaign is much greater than it is when you can uh, potentially do something. And, and cost-wise, you know, there's also that element. is not as costly. So I, I definitely see here a huge opportunity. I think there is already, you know... Um, I, I don't know if it's fair to call this micro influencer or no, but I remember during the Crisp um, conference this year, John Morgan was talking about the partnership that they struck with a, you know, college basketball player, right? And that actually worked extremely well. It was in Atlanta, I believe. So that they stroke that deal. And so they had as a spokesperson, one of these players from a uh, uh, college basketball and it, and it worked out brilliantly, right? Obviously that sponsorship was more cost effective than if they would have potentially partnered up with an NFL star from an NFL team, right? So it's just kind of like really understanding, not just, how big of a star you can get, but how much impact can you actually generate with with a partnership? And I think uh, thinking micro, thinking about the type of okay. individual that has a big impact in their community, that they're heard, listened, followed, engaged with is uh, way more important than just looking at the sheer number of users that they have. Um, I think it's very easy to get misguided by vanity metrics when it comes down to this type of influencer type of marketing. So uh, huge opportunities in there. Where do you need to look at? Look at your local community. Look at what's happening at a local level. Yeah. A hundred percent. It is, it is. I mean, you know, it is paid marketing, but it is grassroots from the standpoint that you want to see who are the people who um, watched and listened and followed inside your community and find ways to partner up with them. Grace, we're going to move on because we have one here that is the chapter of hybrid events may close. And honestly, I'm clapping my hands here. Because I could not be happier about not having to hear the term hybrid events ever again. Uh, I honestly learned to live with them for a while. I think they served a good purpose for a while. It was kind of like a situation that something was better than nothing. But... I mean, now that we've gone back to in-person events, in-person networking, in-person a lot of things, you know, hybrid events and virtual events for the most of it suck.
1: You can't get the same experience. We all learned that, I think, over the last two years that no matter what you do, you are not going to have the same experience as in-person. It's just
0: impossible. Yeah, so here's the thing. Here's where I'm standing with it, right? I'm still of the belief something is better than nothing. A hundred percent, but I do also believe in the value of making the effort to showing up, to being in person. You know, Grace, I think also another thing is that one of the things that has stayed with us past COVID is a little bit that tendency of being more remote in every aspect of our uh, dealings of everything, Right. We now hold more Zoom meetings. We now are able to do more over email. We're more able to automate a lot of the processes that we do. And so we've become very good into limiting personal interactions, right? And being more efficient, which is not a bad thing. But at the same time, when you have done all of these things, you also want to make sure That you can balance off a lot of it with quality in-person interactions, whether it's with your community, with your team, with your clients, right? And I think one of the amazing things, at least I appreciate a lot as an agency, of going up to these events is the opportunity of being able to have face-to-face conversations with people that maybe wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable enough to call us or send us an email. But yet, because there we are, and they can just come over and have a conversation with us, um, they feel compelled in doing so, right? And so it allows you to create just a more open and inviting and approachable way of connecting with individuals that otherwise you may have not been able to connect needless to say people that you already work or know you know the experience of just being able to share moments with them is greatly appreciated right because as much as zoom is terrific for communications and for keeping us effective it still lacks a little bit that personal uh, interaction and the same goes for for your for your team, right? The fact that you can communicate very well and manage your daily activities through Zoom, through Slack or Teams, through uh, uh, project management software and such doesn't mean that there is not a terrific amount of value to gain from every, every few months or a few times a year spending three or four days with all of them just creating memories and having good quality time, right? To strengthen the bonds of the team. I know you just did that a few weeks ago. And yeah, so... we have our
1: corporate retreats. You know, the the value of the in-person touching connections. I mean, you said it best when it comes to creating that memories that you can't have otherwise. It's um, it's great. You know what I mean? Otherwise, you you lose that human connection and we are all people. So we have that need to interact with other human beings it's just it is a physical need at that point for people because you saw what happened right during the pandemic when people didn't have the choice yeah. to interact with each other anymore and it became very difficult for people they became depressed and there's a reason for that it's because we we are humans and we need each other so this it it hybrid was great like you said something was better than nothing but now that we can go back to seeing each other again every couple of months or you know once a month or however it is that you do it it's the best way to keep that interaction and that engagement with your fellow yeah. person and business yeah. person and client
0: yeah absolutely grace so the last one point that we have here in the article we could see brands mm-hmm. levering, leveraging more experiential digital so, channels so I'd like to break this down into two, because there is one path to read this, that is the metaverse, right? The metaverse. I don't think it's worth spending a lot of time talking about the metaverse, because I don't see, you know, we talked about it last year, we speculated a lot about the metaverse, and so far, we've not seen enough signs that consumers are actually leveraging it. Businesses going into it, investing into it, projections being made out of this. It's great, but we've not yet seen a real impact of the metaverse in consumer behavior. So for that reason, honestly, I'm just going to box that up, put it in a closet, and we'll revisit it down the road. However, I do think, though, there is a lot of very amazing things that can be done in the way that you're doing your out-of-home marketing. Right. Your billboards, obviously, now with technology and having the ability of creating display billboards, I think law firms can and should become very more creative and dynamic in the way that they showcase messaging on billboards so that they can really keep up with times, display creatives that are relevant and that they have some real memorable message to them. So I think there is a big room in there. And then there's other technologies, right, that have emerged and that we've seen them already uh, starting to get used more and more and more when it comes down to out-of-home marketing. You know, there's very exciting things that are being done with these big trucks that have signs all over them. And they they go in caravans of three, four, or five, just, you know, going through the Las Vegas trip, displaying your law firm in there. Very impressive stuff. Really very, very impressive stuff. So... I think there is a lot of opportunity there to create an impact in the type of creative that you're using. Um, I mean, obviously, experiential marketing can also be what we were talking about earlier in the conversation, is uh, how are you creating experiences for your existing clients or past clients to come and join you and interact with your team and with your brand, right? Events, it's one of those things that has become a very popular way for law firms to keep their uh, client base engaged. And I think it's wonderful. And I, I I hope that we continue to see not just more law firms doing uh, holiday uh, parties for their existing clients, but also coming up with new things, with new experiences for different demographics, for different age groups that are actually relevant to them and that can help them stand out, right? And I think that's going to come up and we're going to start seeing more and more and more uh, law firms gaining uh, a lot of recognition potentially for these type of events that they're sponsoring and creating for their communities, and you know a good example on that it could be what Mike Morse did, I believe this year with the with the adopt a pet uh, initiative that they had going yeah. on and the backpack yeah. giveaway. He does. and so and then you have the backpack thing also as well. That's already kind of like their staple, but they continue creating. All of these different community events that at the end of the day, they are uh, having a big impact in in the community and they're turning into very, very positive moments and experiences for the people who attend, right? So they're associating the brand with something that they also hold as a very fond memory in their mind. So that's powerful association to have with your brand. Grace. This is it. This is the end of the conversation. We need to come up with three takeaways because it's the first episode of 2023 and three, three takeaways. Um, Plus, we've been doing this for four years. So um, (laughs) what's going to be your first takeaway, Grace? It's a lot easier
1: to retain clients than it is to gain new clients. Not only is it easier, but it costs less. It's in every marketing dollars and cents principles that you've ever read. So spend more time on retaining your clients and keeping your current clients happy than you spend on gaining new clients. Please. If that's the only thing you take away from this going into 2023, I can't tell you enough how important that is because one good word from one client will go much further than anything else you can do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So client experience 100% right there at the forefront of everything, you need to win at that. You need to really see how can you become the best at it in your market. Now, Grace, I want to talk a little bit about something that we may have not directly addressed in the conversation, but it's kind of like been the underlying base of this entire conversation, and that's um, marketing on an uncertain economic time or an unpredictable economy. And I just want us to revisit, you know, the last time that we were in a situation where things failed for different reasons, but still unpredictable when when it came down to the economy. And that was the beginning of the pandemic, right? And the one very big lesson that we all learned there, just by looking at the companies that we were all looking back in the day, whether that is Zoom, whether that is Amazon, whether that is Tesla, right? Those who retracted, lost. Those who persisted and stayed on, won big, right? This is the time to go after market share because you should rest assured that a lot of people in your market are going to retract and are going to release and they're going to panic. And then what that means is that you're going to be put up in a position where you can increase market share, and not just that, but you can do it at a lower cost and fairly effectively if you are surrounded by the right people in the right team to advise you and to assist you and to help you drive this forward. And I think that goes back, Grace, you know, as you're saying it from a uh, a company or from a service provider standpoint, you want to make sure that you're retaining your clients from a consumer standpoint. As the client, you want to make sure that you have partners that you can trust and that help you navigate through this time so you can expand and you can leverage according to what you are uh, capable of doing, right? I think That's a very, very important mindset that we should not forget. And as I've said it before, you know, there's evidence that has shown us time and time and again how much growth big law firms have had during these times, right? Law firms that were not necessarily big during the beginning of uh, economic downturns that have come on the other side. Much bigger, much stronger, and still growing despite everything that was happening around them. So, you know, I think that's uh, an important message to remember. And we have one last takeaway, Grace.
1: I think that it's perfect on the heels of what you're saying. The last takeaway I have is create an experience for your clients. And whatever that means, whether it's experiential marketing or setting your your firm up for success or having events for your clients, whatever that means to your firm and the way you do your marketing, do it. Because if you don't create the experience for your clients, someone else will and they're taking that market share from you. So most lawyers become lawyers because they believe in something right and so believe in helping other people take that a step further and just do what you believe in and help others by creating an experience that you would want to be a part of and so I think my final takeaway is look into experiential marketing grassroots marketing everything having to do with creating that experience for your client that you would want for you if you were in that same spot.
0: Excellent takeaway, Grace. Good advice as well. And with that said, let's be excited about a new year and make it a great one. Grab the bull by the horns and let's go. <laughs> That's right, Grace. That's exactly what we do here. Alright, well until then, when we'll have our next conversation, take care Grace. Thank you, Leo. Talk to you soon. If you like our show, make sure you subscribe, tell your co-workers, leave us a review, and send us your questions at ask at podcast.com. We'll see you next week.